Before we start this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, I'm sports journalist Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Game. In this episode, I speak with NRLW player Karina Brown. I first met Karina almost a decade ago. It was before the NRLW, before primetime women's games, and at a time when I had to fight really hard to get my women's footy stories to air. And Karina had to fight even harder for people to take female footy players seriously. Karina's achieved so much in her career. She's been a part of two World Cup winning Gillaroo sides, was the Queensland captain, and has been a part of the NRLW since the competition's inception, playing for the Roosters, Warriors, and now Titans. But it's what she's done outside of the footy field, which needs a little more attention. She's passionate about the women's game. She's built clubs, teams, and fought some old school institutions along the way. She's appreciative of those that came before her, and she's inspired to help change the game for the next generation. She never went looking for the limelight, but it came anyway when a picture of her kissing her then-girlfriend and opposition player at the Women's State of Origin went viral in 2018. It was a powerful image, and Karina has since become a strong advocate for inclusiveness in society. And when news of the Manly Jersey saga, where seven players refused to wear a pride jersey, broke just before we recorded our episode, Karina had plenty to say. But Karina's story begins as a shy, yet energetic little girl growing up in Queensland. Uh, little Karina was very energetic, just loved being outdoors and loved sport, all sports. That's all I did at school. Um, actually, I had no friends when I first started school and I'd come home every day and say, oh, I don't have made any friends yet, mum. And oh. she said, all you need to do is, is take a ball to school and, and see what happens. And then, yeah, I ended up with um, a lot of friends because I ended up just playing um, football or soccer, handball, um, everything with the boys. And, Aww. yeah, that's where my sort of love for sport came about because that's how I ended up um, with friends in school. <laughs> and, yeah, I just I loved um, being competitive and, and trying to outdo the boys all the time. So, yeah, I was pretty adventurous and, you know, I had good zest for life. Um, mm. You know, I loved um, – I'm a – got lots of sisters as well. I've got three sisters so um, and cousins and, yeah, just grew up outside having, having a good time. I had a um, really great family as well who, um, I don't know, I guess when I was a little kid just like I believed in Santa honestly until I was like 13. <laughs> that was just like, you know, my world that, you know, like my family had created was, you know, anything is possible and, yeah, that was sort of me growing oh, up. Oh, I love that. Did you have older <laughs> sisters or were you the eldest? No, I was the top dog. Yeah, I was about to say, it's hard to keep that going for so long. But if you had younger <laughs> sisters, if you had older sisters, if you had younger yep. sisters, that's so sweet. I love that, that you believe in that magical kind of kind of world. Um, I know, for so long. I feel really sorry for little Karina going to school, no friends. But the ball, <laughs> that's a great thing. Yeah, it was like only that. for a short time. And then, yeah, mum saved the day and Aww. friends since then. <laughs> um, and that was growing up in, in Queensland as well. Was it in Brisbane? Where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up on the Gold Coast. I was born in Victoria, actually, but um, my family moved here when I was two. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, a proud Queenslander and, yeah, proud Gold Coaster, which is why it ties in so nicely for me, um, you know, now a member mm. of the Gold Coast Titans. And um, Queenslanders don't mind if you're born in Victoria, as so long as you're not born in that other suburb that's, like, just north of there. 
New South Wales. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that get you into trouble. Um, you were really sporty, you said, but how did you get into sport? Was your mum, your dad, your family into sport? Yeah, my pop, he played AFL from Melbourne. Um, oh, alongside, cool. Yeah, my dad played as well. And my mum used to get around the netball courts. So, yeah, I guess there was um, competitive nature in my family and just a sporting background in general. So I learned how to kick a football from my dad, even though, you know, the AFL wasn't big in Queensland growing up. Mm. That's how I learned how to kick a ball was through dad. Um, and, yeah, mum just always let me try any sports I wanted. So I've pretty much tried every sport under the sun. The only rule that she had was whatever I started, I had to finish. Um, I got to play, so when I was in year six, um, actually, sorry, year seven, uh, there was a girl, Casey, who had played rugby league with the boys in year six. And I just sort of heard about it going into year seven. And I thought, wow, rugby league, like I love watching it. I'd love to be able to play. I used to wish I could play just, you know, watching Darren Lockie, my hero on TV. And so um, I decided to convince all the girls in year seven to come and play rugby league. So, yeah, I don't know how many of us, but at least 30 girls signed up for rugby league. And I remember the school had no idea what to do with all these little girls wanting to play rugby league. <laughs> um, and so they got us all into a room and they they told us that um, the boys weren't not gonna, were not going to go easy on us. There's going to be broken nails <laughs> you know, they were going to get hurt. And I remember just sitting there, I felt enraged that this was, you know, what was coming from the teachers. Um, and about 28 of the 30 girls stood up and walked out. Wow. And, and the only two that were left was Casey and, and myself. Wow. And I just thought, absolutely not. Like, I have to play even more now that you're trying to convince me not to play. Wow. And that was so, when you were in year seven. In year seven. Wow, yeah, you had such strong conviction then. I did. So I, I joined the team and... I was actually pretty annoyed. I was pretty pissed off, to be honest, because mm. they put me in the B team. Yeah. And I hadn't been in a B team With before. the boys? With the boys. They didn't want us, they didn't want want us to get hurt. Mm. So they're like, oh, Karina put you in the B team. And I thought, sorry. Yeah. I've been kicking this so football that, that since I was three gave, years old. Yeah, yeah. It gave me more motivation, though, because I, I remember going to my first training and just anything that the boys had to do, I wanted to do better. Right. If they, you know, hit the bag 10 times, you know, I made sure I hit it 11. Um, and I played a few games and after a, f a few games, they um, tapped me on the shoulder and they said, we're, we're going to move you to um, the A grade because you're wow, hurting the boys. Cool. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. What about Kelsey? How did she? So was she Casey, in B too? Casey, I can't remember if she moved up because we had a few games together. Um, I think maybe the boys' season in A grade was going a bit longer too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I remember I went to, um, the, I got invited to sort of a rep carnival as well in the A grade team. And my grandma came and watched and she could hear all the boys in the opposition saying, oh, let's run at the girl, mm -hmm. run at the girl. And, you know, she was very scared for my life. And <laughs> and the biggest boy on the team ran straight at me and apparently, yeah, she looked up and he was on the ground. Yes. <laughs> the ball had spilled out and, yeah, all the boys were happy for me. And um, we then have another rep game a few weeks later, but I, I didn't play because I'd been chosen to represent Queensland in touch football. Mm -hmm. And that was like a dream of mine as a as a twelve year old. And Mum said, "You can play, but you are risking injury." And mm. did you want to risk that? You know, leading into Queensland, mm. and the choice was up to me. And I didn't want to risk that because I really wanted that Queensland jersey. Um, yeah, my first Queensland jersey. So I, I didn't play. And my team, Marymount, they actually did lose that game. And I remember the captain came up to me, Kevin, 
And uh, he said, Karina, we lost the game because we didn't have you. Ah, go Kevin. And I thought that was a pretty sp- – yeah, I'll never forget that moment because I felt like, you know, I was mm. um, included in the team mm. and a valued and important member of the mm-hmm. team despite my sex. Yeah, you so, weren't a girl in the team. You were a, a, a team, player, yeah. a teammate. Yeah. I was a teammate that yeah. they needed. So, um, yeah, that was um, – yeah, cool story. How old were you then? So when you got put up into A grade, so you started when you were 12, 13. So when did you get put so up? I only got to play, yeah, that year. So just I only did wow. a few weeks sort of in the B and I only got to play that year because when I turned 13 the year after and went into high school, yeah, that was the end of um, everyone's journey. Um, all the yeah. other girls in that the state as well. Then? That were yeah. Ali Brigginshaw had the same mm. um, same problem. Yeah, you just couldn't play anymore. Um Going back, how did you want to play rugby league? I mean, your dad was from Victoria and was into AFL. What did you see? Did you have any idols? What were you seeing that made you want to play rugby league? Yeah, well, I would watch AFL with dad every weekend. Um, his team was Carlton and never seen them win a premiership ever in my time, but I just <laughs> backed them 100%. But I also would watch um, the, the State of Origin. That was mm. where, and the Brisbane Broncos. Because you're a Queenslander now. I'm yeah. a Queenslander. But, yeah. but mainly state of origin because my parents would make me go to bed quite early, 7 p.m. bedtime, no mm. matter what. And state of origin, the only three nights a year, I was allowed to stay up past seven. Ah. And yeah, I just, I just fell in love with the game and, you know, being a proud Queenslander and, and everything that the Queenslanders stood for. Mm. I don't know. I just connected with it, you know, mm. watching the men on the television. And, you know, I wished that I was a boy, honestly, because mm. I wanted to be able to, um, play State of Origin. Mm. Um, and Dad used to always put the radio on and they had a Roy and HG <laughs> do the radio commentating. So as a kid, I thought it was quite funny when they would refer to, like, the Smith brothers as salt and vinegar passes to cheese and chives. And, <laughs> you know, so stupid, but yeah. I, I was just like... I thought was great on Wednesday yeah. night. So you yeah, got the rugby the league humour too. Yeah, yeah. It was straight yeah. into it. Oh, I love yeah. that. So do you remember what you felt when they told you that you can't play anymore because of your sex? And because you hit a certain age, do you remember, like at the time, was it something that you just accepted as what happens or you have a bit of a disruptive personality in which you want to shake things up and you want to be, yeah, no is not something that you, an answer that you take. So do you remember back your feelings during that time? I was just disappointed um, that I couldn't play anymore because I loved it Mm. and I was good at it Mm. and I felt that I'd proven that, you know, by being able to match it, you know, with the A-grade team and then, you know, being chosen to represent the school in, um, you know, high-grade mm. carnival and I just enjoyed the sport. So I was definitely disappointed but I kind of felt used to it. Like, as I said earlier, I grew up um, at school playing with the boys every day, whatever sport we're playing, and sometimes we'll be a bit naughty and would go and play tackle football, you know, in the out-of-bounds mm. area. And one particular day, you know, we got caught and I was the only girl and I just remember the teacher, the female teacher came up to me and I got in the most trouble because I was a girl and girls don't mm. act like that and, you know, just what was I thinking basically. Mm. And I just remember in that moment going, well, I don't want to be a girl then because mm. I actually love doing this stuff yeah. and I don't understand why I can't, you know, be running around and yeah. roughing it with the boys. So I guess I, yeah, was sort of used to that mentality. and Yeah. I guess as a kid, you know, kids are pretty resilient mm. and you just learn to sort of move on. So I I didn't let it get to me too much. I didn't have a choice. Mm. So the closest thing to rugby league was to play touch football. Mm. And so I just threw myself into that 
um, and yeah, tried to get my Queensland jersey back, um, which I had when I was in the under 12 teams, but never mm. did quite match it with Ali Brigginshaw again. I was about to say, um, you're in that under 12 state. Queensland touch footy team with Ali, weren't you? Yeah. The two of you were in that juniors team together. It's we pretty were. cool watching it where was. your careers have taken you since. What Definitely was she like was back back then? Very competitive, the same as she is now, you know, <laughs> and just so skillful. Um, she was, uh, yeah, I th- always admired Ali back then. Like yeah. she was just just a really, she's just an athlete from mm. a young age and mm. um, it was cool getting to um, link up to her, with her again when I found rugby league at age 21 and saw that she also played um, for another team. So, mm. yeah, that was pretty pretty good. At that time when you were going through touch football and you were a good touch footballer, you know, there was a lot of poaching going on with rugby sevens because obviously they were the new footy code that was coming in and had Olympic status coming in. Were you ever interested or did you ever get invited or get poached or looked at by by scouts for rugby sevens? I sort of threw myself into it, to be honest. (laughs) I, well, a moment for me growing up, um, I often say this in interviews, but like Xena Warrior Princess was my idea of, you know, a strong woman because it wasn't really shown much through the TV. There were no female athletes on TV, really. Really. Yeah. Except for... um, Xena. Zena, but also Kathy, Kathy Freeman. Like that was mm. a moment for me as a child. Um, watching Kathy win the, you know, the four hundred meters. You know, you know, in our fit, and mm. it was just such an amazing race. And and in that moment, I thought, oh wow, like I would love to be an Olympian. Like mm. I want to be Kathy Freeman. Um, and so, yeah, coming out of touch football, finishing school, going into uni, then finding rugby league at twenty one. And I'd got a couple of years in rugby league under my belt before. Um, I'd heard that, you know, about a sport called sevens and it was going to be an Olympic sport. And so I did um, do a bit of, yeah, cross code and go and have a jam at sevens. But honestly, I was just nowhere <laughs> near as good as, mm. you know, Varney Politi as an example. Mm. So um, I went down that path for a little bit, but I just realised it wasn't my passion and it wasn't mm. a sport that I loved. It was rugby league. Mm. So there's really no point trying to go to the Olympics in something that you just, you don't love and you don't have that same passion for. So... I stuck with rugby league and, um, you know, it's paid off. I've got to win two World Cups, um, mm. you know, got to captain Queensland, win plenty of state of origins and, yeah, been part of NRLW, few inaugural teams there and, uh, mm. yeah, still going. So yeah. um, definitely a good decision. So you went back into rugby league. Um, you went lost to the game forever, which was great. Um, you were part of that Jillaroo squad that played in the 2013 World Cup and you guys won that 2013 World Cup in England. What was it like to be a part of that, about that side? And then also how big a moment was that? Because that really kick-started a lot, didn't it? That was a huge moment and really special for me. When I first came into the game, um, when I was 21, 2010, and I didn't even know all these, you know, legends of the game existed like Karen Murphy, Tani Norris, mm. you know, Nat Dwyer. I had no idea mm. um, that they had been representing Australia for, you know, all the years where I was at home wishing that um, I could I could be a boy to play mm. rugby league. Mm. You know, not knowing actually I, I could just do it remain a girl, a girl and I could yeah. do it anyway. Um, so, yeah, coming into um, when I started playing rugby league, my first year in 2010, I got to represent Queensland. That's mm-hmm. where I met. Um, most of the superstars of the game then. And that's where I found out there even was an Australian team called mm. the Jillaroos, which was 
you know, just blew my mind. I couldn't <laughs> believe that I hadn't heard of them before. Mm. Um, you know, I was like hurt that I didn't know, yeah. um, you know, about this team. So became a goal to to get there. So in 2013, when I got picked was, yeah, it was an unbelievable moment for me. Mm. You know, the first time I'd get to represent my country um, in a sport that I'd grown up watching, you know, wishing that I could play. So it was, um, it was, it was awesome to getting to understand the history of the game as I had no idea and just hearing the stories um, of how hard it had been for the girls prior to that, mm. prior to that World Cup. You know, they'd been to three before then, um, never beat the Kiwis. The Kiwis mm. had won three from three um, and just the stories about what it took to actually go and play in a World Cup. Had to um, pay their you know, own way. Because pay, pay, exactly. 2013 was the first time the Gillaries didn't have to pay their own way. That was the first time, mm. yep. And also the first time we got to wear the coat of arms. Because mm. um, you were banned from wearing coat of arms on your jersey as yep. Australian women rugby league players. It's crazy, isn't it? It was. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, a big eye-opener for me, mm. learning about the history of the game and then just um, learning about what it really meant for those girls to to go over to England with the goal of winning the World Cup for the first time and, you know, bringing that trophy home. Mm. I... Yeah, it was a fresh freshie in the team. So I actually only played two games out of the mm-hmm. four. I didn't play the final. Um, but, yeah, it was just to be a part of that and just the emotion in the change rooms mm-hmm. or, you know, when the final whistle went that, you know, we, we played amazing. Australia had an absolute <laughs> blinder. But just to see, you know, all the champions of the game mm. get to live out their dream and hold that World Cup in what was um, – you know, pretty much one of the last games for a lot of those those mm. players, you know, yeah. that was ending their career and to end it like that and then really put Australian Rugby League, um, mm. Women's Rugby League on the map, you know, bringing that trophy home. That really yeah. was such an important step in the game. Mm. Um, and then to back it up in 2017 when we won here on home soil, mm. um, I think it was the first time a men and women's team um, were crowned world champions mm. on the same day. Mm. So that was also pretty special and then that, that actually that win actually kickstarted the NRLW mm. um, a year later. So just so many historic moments that you've um, been a part of that I've been a part of. Yeah, yeah. that's really sweet. That's really really special, isn't it? Um, so, that was also 2013, the first time I've ever seen mainstream media put rugby league, women's rugby league, mm-hmm. on the news as well. So yep. it was a um, it was a big one for us as well, and I remember it vividly. Um, this is something I loved about you. Like you started your own, tried to start your own women's team when you were 12 years old. But throughout your career, you've set up a lot of women's teams. You've played this integral role in being able to set things up. You could have been comfortable playing in your, because your Queensland team, which you were part of first, uh, not the Queensland team, but you had a lot of Gillaroos in your club side, didn't you? And in your Queensland, and you took it upon yourself to set up, it was Burley first and then East after that as well. That couldn't have been easy starting from scratch, leaving a very comfy and successful team to go set something else up completely new. Yeah. Well, actually, so I played for One Away Bay. That was my Mm -hmm. first year in rugby league, 2010. And then in 2011, I actually left the game. I went and lived overseas for a year and just was 22 and just explored the world. I had 12 months over there. Where'd you live? I lived in Scotland for six months. I lived in England and then I just did a massive three, four-month tour. I didn't know these. Did you work at the time? Not or very you hard. just, yeah. No, I just... Picked up jobs. I, I had saved up a fair bit of money before I went over there. So yeah. I worked in a bar actually, but only a couple of days a week. But that was mainly to mean 
to meet people. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, so it was an extraordinary experience. And while I was over there, I was sort of keeping up to date. But I think Facebook was cool back then. You know Still what was happening for us oldies. Oh yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> well, now they're on TikTok, and I'm not on TikTok. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. just with my Instagram. Uh, but yeah, I used to. Um, I started thinking oh, I really want to go back and represent Australia. That was mm. what I was thinking when I was overseas. Um, so then I came back and Runaway Bay didn't have a team anymore mm-hmm. and South Logan were actually the team to beat. Mm-hmm. So that had Karen Murphy, Ellie Brigginshaw, mm-hmm. Renee Kunst, Heather Bellinger, Nat Dwyer, uh, oh, nice. Teresa Anderson, Teresa Grant. I could, could go yeah. on all day. They had the big Stephanie Hancock, <laughs> Joey <laughs> Barrett. Oh, my God. So <laughs> this team is absolute <laughs> superstars and they had beaten um, – I was in the Runaway Bay team and, yeah, we, we burst them in the grand final and they beat us 50 to 6 in the grand final wow, in 2010. Okay. Yeah. So I absolutely wiped the floor yeah. with us. And, and they um, stopped playing at halftime. No, I'm joking. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we pulled the pin at halftime, <laughs> the mercy rule. No, and I came back and that uh, Rob Bruff was a coach of South Logan mm-hmm. and said, oh, you know, why don't you come join us? And I just thought, this just seems too easy. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I could go to you guys, but what, you're literally beating everyone 50 mm. nil and that didn't seem like a challenge to me. Mm. That just seemed like an easy route. Mm. And, um, and I, I, yeah, for some reason I don't like the easy route apparently and no. I wanted to build something special on the Gold Coast because that was where I was from. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Burley Bears. Uh, Damien Driscoll, he was a CEO of um, Runway Bay when I was there. And I'd saw that he'd moved to Burley Bears. Mm. And I'd just recently lost my grandma to cancer that year mm. as well. And I moved in with my with my pop. Mm-hmm. And he was really sad. I mean, we all were, but, you know, he that was his life partner. And mm. they always would take me to my sporting events growing up mm. while my mum and dad worked. And and that's what made them happy. My grandma and pop, my pop happy was coming to watch me play football. And I just wanted him to get his zest for life back and... Mm. So I thought if I could create a team in Burley, which is, you know, next door to his house, it, house, it would get him out mm. again, you know, back enjoying life and something that he loved was, yeah, watching me play sports. So that was, it was also, you know, part of the motivation, uh, motivation but also um, I wanted to create a team mm. that would beat, could beat South Slogan mm. uh, and then also build Rugby League up on the Gold Coast um, as there wasn't going to be a team if I if that didn't come about. Yeah. So, yeah, I rang... Damien Driscoll and just said, look, you probably don't remember me. Two years ago, I played Runaway Bay and, look, I just want to start a team and I want to start it at, um, at Burley Bears because, you know, I know it's a great club. I'm mm. um, part of the, the Q Cup and obviously had a lot of success over the years. And he basically said, so I was 23 at the time, he just, he basically said, look, you can do it, but, like, I'm, I'm busy. You can, you, can wear the, mm. you can wear the jerseys, but you've got to figure it out. You need to find a sponsor. You need to find, you know, staff for it all. Um, find just everything. And mm. I guess it did seem overwhelming initially, uh, but I just, yeah, I just was on this mission. And, and so you did all the recruiting, everything. It I can't did have been easy. Those, those clubs never had a female team as well to just come in there and, and create something because it, was, it, it wasn't so welcoming all, all the time back then too, was it? Yeah, no, I'd, not so much in like we were given a, like we weren't even training at where the boys train were given. There's a, 
a juniors field, Burley Bears juniors, mm. and behind that was like a baseball diamond. Right. And they were like, yeah, you can, there's a patch of grass over there, so you can right. go over there and Not here's the keys. Not even a juniors field, yeah. Well, yeah, here's the keys for the lights, so, yeah. you know, you make sure you, like, clean up after yourselves when you when you leave. And I just went to, um, it was summer when this, I was trying to get this up and running mm. before the, you know, and I went to a sevens tournament and just started talking to any player that was there and staff and... <laughs> Yeah, I found um, <laughs> Vanessa Rogers. She was became our team manager and still our team manager today. So yeah, we're up cool. to going to eleventh or twelfth year now, um, and just started finding players and just told them about this dream, you know, to beat South Logan and be the best team. Yeah, um, and you did it too. And it took four or five years, but yeah, that was that's probably one of the, um, the biggest moments in my career was mm. in twenty fifteen beating South Logan. You know, with all those superstars, everyone that I just mentioned, uh, it was only me that was the only player with representative um, honours wow, in that cool. grand final match. But we just believed. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, that. I love that. So it was, it was pretty cool. And then yeah, now we've, I think we've won six out of eight premierships or something. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well yeah. done. You talked about the World Cup and in 2017 and then, you know, NRLW flowed off the back of that. So too did the state of origin, the women's state of origin. And I, you know, I take issue with people always saying it's a new concept. It's only been around since 2018. I'm like, it wasn't. It was the women's interstate challenge for like almost 20 years before that. Yep. So, um, and Queensland dominated for a long of the, for a lot of that time. Mm-hmm. But then finally, you know, the NRL t- started to take a lot of ownership for the women's state of origin. And you went under the women's state of origin banner, but. Do you know what people called it the origin? I called it the origin every year that you played interstate. It challenge. was origin. I was like, it yeah. was origin. It was a women's origin. So that you know, excuse never rides with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were the captain of that team as well, and it was broadcast and it was mega. I mean, North Sydney Over was packed. No one expected to see what you what we saw out there um, in that in that match. Just crowds of little girls and boys and. The ratings were astronomical, way past their forecast. For you, how special was that moment being captain of the Queensland team for that moment then? Yeah, that was that was massive. Um, so special for me to be the captain. Um, I was the captain the year before in the Interstate Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, to be captain of the inaugural... Hashtag still women's origin. Yeah, yeah still <laughs> women's origin, um, yeah, was amazing and... It was such a good game. Mm. Um, I know that we lost, but the game itself um, was incredible. You know, it was end-to-end, big hits. And, yeah, the, the stadium of 5,000 people, you know, filled North Sydney Oval. Mm. That's what um, struck me. That was probably the biggest crowd I'd sort of played in front of and just all the little, you know, boys and girls, you know, screaming and having female heroes. Mm. And I remember at the end of the game when we lost, but as heartbreaking as that moment was when I just sort of looked looked around and really took the moment for what it was and I was just appreciating all the young little blues girls mm-hmm. running onto the field and getting to celebrate mm-hmm. that moment, you know, with their origin heroes. And um, I was actually quite a bit jealous because when we won in Sunshine Coast um, the previous two years That's because COVID. of COVID, we, we, couldn't have, mm-hmm. we couldn't have the young girls come, you know, the young queens that just come on mm-hmm. and share that moment with us but um yeah I thought how how amazing is that that mm. you know the 
there's just something that I didn't have growing up mm. that I wish I had and, and now it's here and it's only getting bigger and better. So, yeah, that was an incredible match to be part of and um, I'll always be proud of that and mm. it's one jersey I'll definitely be getting framed when I retire. Yeah. Is the, the first ever. It gave it a platform, didn't it, for the women's game. People were like, where did this come from? I'm like, it was there all the time. The game was there at that standard and that level but you just didn't see it because it wasn't broadcast and, and it wasn't available to you. I remember being in the, in the newsroom afterwards and every male that I've ever talked to, you know, in, it was at Channel 9 at the moment, they're like, oh, Sammy, oh my God, the women's origin. Oh my God, the hits, the skill, the speed. It was amazing. I was like, yeah, why are you surprised? It didn't just change <laughs> yeah. overnight. It's been there, but now you're aware of it because it's been on a platform that you can, can show, but it really changed a lot. Now, after that match, you did what any footballer does, you find your partner and in that big special moment, you you kiss them, you give them a <laughs> hug, you give them an embrace. Your partner happened to be at the time, Vanessa Foliaki, who was on the New South Wales side and you two embraced and kissed in an incredible moment, which was then captured. <laughs> and then a photo from the NRL went up on the social media page. Um, talk to me about your reaction, not at what we're about to talk about, about the comment, but what was your reaction to that photo being put up in, in the first place for you? Yeah, well, it's it was obviously a huge week for us, you know, in a relationship at that point in time. <laughs> so, you know, we were very professional and we were there for our team. So we really didn't have much to do with each other during the week at mm. all. You know, we're both team focused. Um, and it's just such a big game. Like you said, people don't realise, but there was 17 years of history, mm. you know, sort of before that game. Um, and, and so it is such a big moment for Queensland players and New South Wales players, you know, to, to try and win, get that victory. So, yeah, seeing her at the end of the game, obviously a lot of emotions, she had won and, and I, you know, part of the losing team. But it was just nice to be able to see her again as my partner and not as as the enemy. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, we sort of did have a quick kiss. But it was well after, um, <laughs> you know, like the presentation had happened and it was just so far. Like it wasn't, I didn't shake, like at the end of the game, I shook her hand like everyone else. Sure, yeah. And you don't have to make excuses, gosh. No, I'm just saying because people, people often are like, you know, what about the footy side of it? We're just so well, the game was like, over. You didn't yeah, kiss was, in the middle of the game. Exactly. So <laughs> like, we, we was it was just I guess I wasn't even expecting cameras because it was the moment was so sure. far after yeah. um the game had actually ended. And um so we'd both gone back to our camps and I think yeah, we we had like the team things, uh, mm. team presentations and whatnot. And then she actually we caught up at about midnight. I think she yeah, she caught up about midnight and then we saw the photo. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was, it wasn't actually a great time mm. for us at that point. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't good, like, mm. because of like sort of religious and cultural, um, her background, mm. you know, that was, it's not something that you can just put up mm. and that it is celebrated, unfortunately. Mm. So it was, it was quite stressful actually when that happened. Um, mm. but we like, we actually tried to get it taken down, but it was too late, you know, mm. it, it was already going wild. So we just had to, had to, um, be there for each other. And mm. we found a lot of, um, 
it was like great having the support of the NRL, obviously, mm. telling people to sort of like, you know, welcome to 2018. Mm. This is where we yeah. were. And um, I guess the way we got through it was through people messaging us and mm. t- telling us the impact that photo actually had mm. on their lives and telling us their stories. And Were you, you know, nervous? Because like, I know it was difficult for Vanessa given her, her background. And, um, but for you, were you nervous or were you nervous for Vanessa? Was there, because you've got to think yeah. about the, I mean, 2018 doesn't seem that long ago, but in terms culturally where we were, like in sport, it really was. We hadn't really seen a picture mm. of, of two women kissing and, Two women on opposite teams we certainly hadn't seen kissing. I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was a beautiful kiss and a beautiful moment between two beautiful people. But um, for you personally, were you a bit worried? Was there still a bit of hesitancy in 2018 on your part? Not so much for me. I was more worried about, you know, Vanessa Mm. and if there'd be any implications for her. Mm. Um, Because, you know, you never want that for someone that you, you know, you care about. Yeah. So I was was just more concerned for her and... um, trying to get her through it the yeah. best way. But like I said, we because of how other people were responding to us mm. and saying how much that mattered to them, all of a sudden it, our issues didn't seem so big, you know, yeah. hearing other people's stories and mm. how hard it is or how hard it was for them or and, you know, it is still now about, you know, coming out. I know mm. we've come a long way but, you know, you only got to look at sort of the media the last 24 hours. Mm. Like there's still a lot of homophobia, mm. you know, in in the world. and I want to touch on that, but I want to, for those who didn't see that comment, it was put up on the NRL's Facebook page um, and <laughs> there were some people that responded and one guy in particular wrote, keep that crap to the dressing shed or at home. We don't care if you are partners, just keep it off the field and let your football do the talking. The NRL then wrote back and a very savvy social media person wrote back, uh, welcome to 2018. It would be great if you could join us. <laughs> I mean, in terms of reactions, yeah, that somewhat, was... I know it was difficult at the moment, but to have like the sport respond in, in such a powerful way, what, how would that mean to you when you saw that reply? Yeah, that was amazing. And yeah, we did feel really supported by the game and welcomed by the game. Mm. And, you know, there was more support than not. So that's what we, you know, mm. focused on, you know, the, the positives was that, yeah, there was more su- people that were supporting us and, you know, appreciating love um, mm. rather than trying to, yeah, pull us down. And and as I just keep coming back to, you know, hearing people's stories and people reaching out to us on Instagram, yeah, knowing that um, that image made them feel like they're welcomed mm. in the world, made them feel that they had a place. You know, mm. that's so important. Mm. Like there's, you know, young kids that are at the time that still reach out to me now, you know, and mm. say that, you know, like four years ago they were in school mm. and hating it because they were being bullied for being gay. Mm. And I just kept saying, you know, just, just stay strong because when you, you're going to, when you get out, mm. <laughs> it's just a totally different world. And, um, and then, you know, they've found their people, they've found their peers, they've found people that mm. love and support them. But there's people that, you know, and they give up. Mm. And they don't make it, and it's to it's that stage heartbreaking. Where they can see the other side. They just can't. Yeah, mm. and that's heartbreaking. It's because that's the world that we live in. So, mm. you know, we just can't have discrimination, and history shows that we mm. can't have discrimination with it's you know sex, race, any homophobia. Like we can't have any of that mm. because it's just so hurtful um, in this world. So, yeah, it's um, good that I can 
be confident in who I am and um, and show that. You would notice that I quite often wear the rainbow flag mm-hmm. um, on mm-hmm. my wrist. I've done it for um, in all my Origin matches and a few NRLW and, you know, people find peace in that and they find strength in that and, and unity, mm. you know, in such a simple act of, of um, you know, being proud of who you are. So that's, uh, yeah, that's if that's part of my legacy and ensuring people, you know, feel that they're welcomed mm. and, and included and have a place and that they're valued, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I try, how I try and live my life anyway. Do you get worried sometimes when you get, because I know I've spoken to you before about this, about the, the kids do contact you and and people do contact you, um, you know, telling them that the impact that, that that image did have. But is there a sense of you that always worries like that they're not going to make it if they're not going to make it to the other side? And, and how does it feel on you to be have that responsibility of, I feel like I need to show you what it's like, that it's okay? Yeah, I haven't had no is the answer to that, but I have no doubt that but it happens. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's devastating. Mm. Um, and, yeah, all, all I can do is just keep trying to be um, – show sight of that, you know, I'm proud of who I am. Mm. Um, and when anyone does reach out to me, just try to be, you know, some form of strength in whatever capacity that is and just be there for them. Most mm. people just want, you know, someone to listen to that's that's been through it um, or someone to – make them feel valued and, and that's what I try to do. Because you guys, that blew up. That was everywhere. It was used in commercials and um, it was everywhere, <laughs> all over national media. Um, you guys won a Pride Award as yeah. well, a National Pride Award. You were Both you, Vanessa, and yourself were on uh, the NRL's uh, Mardi Gras float. I was on that float that year. So as a, as a friend, obviously, um, being on that, of, on that float um, for the NRL when I had a contract with them as well, it was such a vibe, wasn't it? It's was so that? good. When you and Vanessa float. were loving it as well. It was such a vibe. I even had a broken leg. Oh, I was man. dancing on one leg. And, but yes, I remember just looking right. around. Yeah. Like that whole event <laughs> yeah. when you're there in that space, like, who wouldn't be gay? Like, Do you know what? I'm like, so I've got a happy. husband who I love and I've got two little girls, but I was like, I want to be gay being on this float. <laughs> this is awesome. It was exactly. amazing. Just spreading love and happiness and just That's having a good was, time. wasn't it? Being your authentic self. Yeah. That, that was the environment. Well, that is the environment yep. of, um, of Mardi the Mardi Gras. Gras. So it was amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That was a really, really cool moment. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, um, you know, this podcast is, is going to come out in a few weeks, but right now it's uh, we're dealing with, you know, the Manly players who had a problem with their jersey, which had, um, it is women in league ground and Manly decided to make it women, um, everyone in league, mm-hmm. which I totally think is a great mm. message um, to put in people like, weren't you upset they hijacked? I was like, no, I think this is a great kind of progression for women in league ground, to be honest. Agreed. But they had the rainbow piping on their shirts and seven players um, have decided to boycott the game off the back of that. Last night when that news broke, what did that mean for you, given your experience with the league and its messaging and everything, when you heard that this was something that these boys were going to do? Yeah, well, initially... It, it did trigger me, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was felt a bit enraged and frustrated, um, and then I decided to dig a, dig a bit deeper and just see exactly, you know, try and get the whole story. 
because I only read one article and I obviously haven't spoken to the players involved. Um, but it was interesting when I did dig a bit deeper, it, it's, it's actually not even a pride jersey, mm. which makes it almost even worse. You know, mm. like this jersey, as you said, it's a women in league round jersey and it's um, everyone in league, mm. um, which is just such a strong message that's saying it doesn't matter age, sex, race, anything, you know, everyone is welcome in this game, whether you love someone of the same sex or whether you love Jesus Christ, you know, there's a place for you here in league. Um, which is true, which is the messaging, 100%. Exactly. So to pull out because or to get upset over a jersey with a few added extra colours. Mm, on the piping. Like, on the piping. Mm. To represent everyone in league, mm. not just um, you know, pride. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was just as astounded that um, that was a stance that um, some players, yeah. Was um, there a sense taken. that you thought, are we back here? Is this really like, I thought we'd moved on. Like we're talking about 2018 and that great messaging from the NRL and the support that you guys had and the impact that that had. There was a sense of, you know, four years later, are we back here? It's just constantly frustrating because, yes, we are becoming more of a woke society and people get a bit scared of the word woke, oh, but it's it. actually, it's great, you know, <laughs> and the next generation, they've got even, you know, more open mind and open hearts and mm. um, it's just so impo- so important. Like people are realising that discrimination, um, you know, is so hurtful in this society mm. and so we're trying to do something about it. So, yeah, it's just... Yeah, definitely frustrating that we're still talking about it, but it does still exist. Hmm. You know, and like, a if only, like I was actually, it, it wasn't so much the the male's stance on it, it was reading the comments on Facebook. Hmm. Like, have a look at how many people are saying, yes, you know, we're on the players' side oh. on this one, and like respect to the players, they're sending out for that believing. I'm like, it is a jersey to represent everyone. Hmm. And mm. your and just the comments. Um, and out of so, everyone, yeah. you want to minus this community. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, you know, we have a lot of different rounds throughout the year, um, and we don't sort of see this for those rounds. And again, this isn't even a pride round. I would love a pride <laughs> round, though. I think that would be great for the NRL. I honestly do. I know we have in the NRL a high um, Pacifica population and, and a lot of players, but Geez, it would send a strong message. We saw it in the AFLW this year too. They had a pride round. So, yeah. um, I mean, this, I think we even needed even more. But mm. I can see now why we don't have an NRL pride round mm. from the comments. Mm. Um, yeah, like there's just, I don't know why, but there are the same NRL comments fans about girls that, playing in the game. You know, back <laughs> in the day, they said the same same things about women playing the game. So, yeah, it's, it's see, I, I know you read the comments, but... Um, but I know you read the comments, but for me, seeing the way the media is reacting and everything and the people in the journos that I've talked to, I just hosted the Women League round breakfast just then and, you know, talking with Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis and Peter Volandis in front of everyone made it very clear that, you know, we are about diversity. This isn't a political issue. This is a human issue. There's a people mm. issue and we are about inclusion in the NRL. And that means everyone is included exactly. and no one should be. And they're very strong on that stance um, that they made. For me, in a way, this whole issue coming about showed me that those views are in the minority. But I may be wrong. I didn't read the Facebook comments, but I felt like 
the way everyone has responded, it's almost like galvanizing. We can understand, you know, and respect other people's views, but when it comes to being tolerant and accepting and including of everyone, then that's a clear message that everyone's invited in this game. Exactly. But for me, it, it kind of signaled, I like this galvanizing of everyone going, well, no, we should be about everyone. And those views are in the minority. Uh, yes, I, I do agree. And I probably just focused on the, you know, the the comments that yep. were also in support of it. Um, I, I, th- I think to sort of sum it up for me is, when I think about, you know, the support that we do have is the players that if they choose not to um, play in the game, the only people they're excluding is actually just themselves. Yes, yes. <laughs> so they're excluding themselves, you know, and I think it's quite ironic because when they choose to join the party, to join the rest of us, mm. we're going to welcome them. Yes. <laughs> we're going to yes. welcome them with open arms. <laughs> and love um, them. And they're going to yep. be included. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Her Game was presented by me, Sam Squires, producer Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Nikki Sitch. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. 